This podcast is brought to you by Sales Fuel Hire, a platform to help companies hire smarter and flag 13 toxic employee types. Measure job fit, sales tendencies and motivators, decision-making abilities and empathy levels, and make your next hire your best hire. Try it now on salesfuel.com slash hire and use promo code ManageSmarter for $50 off your first purchase. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop and retain talent, improve results and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Hey Lee, guess what we're going to do today? We're going to go rogue. We're going rogue with Paul Rosenberg. Hi, Paul. Hey there. How are you doing? Thanks. It's great to have you on our show. We've been really looking forward to this. And uh, rogue-leadership.com is Paul Rosenberg's um, website. Paul is a Fortune Global Fortune 500 coach, author and speaker, author of the top-rated Rogue Leadership, Harnessing Headwinds to Drive Performance. Brings about three decades of experience in multiple industries and organizations from startups to mature companies and is also a comic and an improvisational actor known for humor and a creative look at business and leadership. And Lee, you wanted to first ask Paul about this third eye of the heart and the mind and the reflection. Well, so many times, uh, one of the things I really like about uh, your book is that uh, you talk about this innate knowledge that, that we have that we've stored up. Maybe it's in, in our subconscious. Uh, maybe it's it's what some people say. Go with your gut. Um, talk about that because it's, sometimes it's like you know these days, and and myself included, it's like you know we bury ourselves with data and analytics and everything like that, and sometimes we ignore our gut because we're trusting the data. You might not feel that that's exactly the right thing to do. Do, do you? I think the the key there. Oh, absolutely. I think you you can ignore it. Of uh, most of us have that innate ability and muscle that we have forgotten to use or have left behind because of uh, that barrage of data and information that you talked about. So what usually happens with a lot of the folks that I work with is they get swept away by that, that outside world. And it really takes an effort, number one, to back away from that. And the second thing is to trust that because we're just not used to we all have the muscle, but if we haven't used it, uh, then we go, ah, you know, my God, that's not tangible. That's not real. <laughs> and, and, and it's there. And part of that going rogue is about trusting that and taking the time to back away from the noise and um, going inward and reflecting. And it'll, that act in itself uh, will produce some some great results because it's a powerful tool to use. I wonder if some of the hesitation might be that if the data says to go with decision A and my gut is saying to go with option B, how do I justify option B to my higher ups, especially if it goes wrong somehow? A great question. And uh, so, sometimes I'll be honest with you, sometimes uh, I've, been, I've been wrong about that. But most of the time, if, if you do take a break and even if it's five minutes and step back it'll allow you to make a more informed decision i have never i would never recommend telling my boss he or she um you know my my gut tells me uh not to do this i would say this is this is why we should do this and and move forward uh 
and this is my decision. I think this is the best way to go because unless you have a great relationship with your boss that understands that you could be setting yourself up for trouble, like, oh my gosh, uh, he's aligning his chakras and he's all touchy feely. Mm -hmm. But um, I think if you do take the time to, to take a break and then formulate your message back to your boss about why you want to make that decision, um, that would be the best way to handle it. You, you actually say, take control by letting go, which I think is a great phrase to remember. I know, um, Paul Lee and I, we were trying to make a decision on something and for work. And um, I actually wonder what form or fashion you define letting go. I went down the hall from my office and cleaned out the sink and put the dishes in the dishwasher. And I was thinking about this decision we had to make. And that was my form of letting go. And I, he came back and he asked me, what's your gut say? I said, the answer is no. <clears throat> and I just listened to the voice inside of me, but it was a head clearer. What are some of the other ways that our audience can let go? Number one, the main thing is to do what you did, which is physically somehow remove yourself from from that decision or or the noise source and get to a different space, like environmentally, just a, a different physical space. Walk down the hall. Um, if you're in the if you're in the office and you can't leave, turn everything off. Turn off your computer. Whatever you need to do to oh, wow. just just it's a new it's a nuanced thing but if you can just change your environment slightly you'll be able to hear that inner voice a lot more clearly you don't have to do anything radical like go to a mountaintop retreat with a guru just um subtly change the physical environment uh even so ever so slightly and and that will allow a more clear uh ability to listen to what what uh what your mind and your heart's telling you. Sometimes as managers and leaders, we, we feel like uh, we're expected to have all the answers. And I think that that might, what, what leads us to something you say we definitely shouldn't do, which is to make decisions quickly that we should take our time and make decisions right. Oh, absolutely. Part of the issue is that we all think, and you know, I've, I've, I've done the same as a leader and I've worked with a lot of leaders. We all think we have to, visibly show that we're in charge and we're taking action. And my view is that action isn't necessarily right action. Just doing something may not be the right thing. So uh, understand that um, you really need to uh, take control and say, you know what, I don't have to act right now. Um, take the time to make a more informed decision. Most of the time, leaders above you We'll give you that spade. So it's, it, it's sort of like a ready, fire, aim. Just instead right of, away. Yeah. You talk a little bit about, and I, I love the video where you have everybody blowing up a paper bag and they're about to, you know, burst it. Um, leadership creativity play. What are some of the other ways that you um, get people more aligned? Because I know your whole goal with this rogue leadership concept is to help performance improvement across complex organizations yeah, so a lot of the things I do to to you know blowing up the paper bag and busting busting the paradigm is to physically change things that's where the improv comes in mm -hmm. um, if I can get people to play a bit 
Um, a lot of people feel uncomfortable. I'm not creative, but what improv does uh, and really effectively is it breaks down those barriers quickly. Uh, if you're in a group setting, it creates collaboration, it creates trust, it's fun. And because we've lost that ability to, my view, to play in the workplace, that somehow that's uh, something for the weekend or for the evening, um, we're, we're missing another opportunity. Just having even a half an hour of, I'll call adult playtime, where there, there are no judgments and people are just allowed to express themselves freely. That's another way of letting go. And that can drive some great decisions and some, some great action out of that. What are some of the other examples that you can give managers to use in, in these types of meetings? And feel free to include two of my favorite things, bubble wrap and googly eyes. <laughs> I was going to say bubble wrap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the all the concepts um, go back to to me. I call it jumping in the pool, changing something physically. So whether we're talking about um, walking down the hall before you make a decision, or we're talking about busting a paper bag, it's doing something different out of the routine. Um, because once you change the stage you're on, you change the backdrop other things can come forward and they don't, they're not hidden. If you're in the normal space every day um, and you're not doing something different, then you're going to, a lot of us get lost in that routine. So uh, Lee, absolutely. You can, you can walk down the hall, you can do the bubble wrap, you can, anything that changes even for five to 10 minutes, the scene then what you're doing is you're helping yourself um, push forward other ideas, other thoughts, because you're out of, out of the conundrum of the day-to-day. -day. Getting so, out of the comfort zone, right? Getting yeah, getting out of your comfort zone, even if it's for five minutes or, you know, a day, whatever that is. The slightest change is going to help. So don't go to the same coffee shop you, you, you always go to. Maybe you don't meet in the same meeting room you always meet in, something like that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because what that does is it clears. If you've, if you've been on, and I'll, I'll use a theater reference. Let's say you've been um, on, the, on the Macbeth stage backdrop for, 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 you know, for five years and you never left it. If you even change it to Hamlet, so can you, you're going to, it's still a tragedy, seeing, but, but it's a different tragedy. New things and learning and, and seeing things differently and hearing things differently. It's, it's, um, it's pretty amazing. So when you, oh, and by the way, I'm partial to the big bubble wrap, not the little tiny ones. Yes, okay. absolutely. Up and down on yeah. Yeah. If go big or go home. That's yeah, right. right. I say go big and go home. <laughs> and go home. <laughs> Let's <laughs> say you have everybody around Good the conference job. room table. <laughs> <laughs> then are, should you then at the end everybody's popping bubble wrap we it's fun do you facilitate in a really like i'm not facilitating here but like how do you then bring all this whimsy to uh new ideas and more team cohesiveness at the end well my my, my view is this is that you have to you have to go to where that group is and you have to you have to understand where they are and for some folks the bubble wrap thing they just they would just 
poo-poo it and go, that's just silliness. They're the so ones who need it the most. Yeah, right? <laughs> I look for ways to, if there is resistance there, what I like to do is look, just look for ways to introduce that play without going, okay, t today or for the next hour, we're going to leave it all behind and be creative. I look for ways to introduce those new elements, especially if my team is super resistant. Now, some, some teams I've worked with are like, let's go for it, roll up the sleeves, and they jump in, and there's no issue. So you really have to understand uh, your audience, your group, and where they are in terms of what I would call play or creativity maturity. Are they, are they all going, oh, this is really uncomfortable, I hate this? Or are they going, yeah, I'm willing to give it a try. So there's lots of different things you can do. I wouldn't always formalize it. Just depends on, on where they're at. Yeah, like that one guy who wouldn't pop the bag. The whole room popped Yeah, the no, bag. absolutely. There was one person, <laughs> one and you know, when I was doing some applied improv, there was one guy who goes, uh, I don't like this. I'm not happy about it. And, and I said, come along. And he refused. And I said, that's fine. Uh, sit back and watch everybody else. Everybody else had a blast. And then afterwards, he came up to me and he said, I should have jumped in. So yeah, I, I don't ever recommend pushing people beyond, you know, beyond their comfort zone or their mm -hmm. fear zone. Uh, if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. They're not going to get anything out of it if they're fighting it mm -hmm. anyway. So. What is organizational triage? Uh, organizational triage is you only have so many hours in a day and you can't be a super, superhuman uh, superhero. And organizational triage is, is really being purposeful about what you allow into your organization as a leader. Imagine your organization is an emergency room. Most people, anything that enters, uh, they'll jump on it and then they spend time, energy, etc. before they even know is this something that we want to do? Like the train leaves the station and suddenly there's a whole bunch of things in your organization that people are working on and spending time and energy on that may not be the right, the right thing. So it goes back to, again, to pause a bit and say, do we want to, do we want to have this covered now in this day and age, the issue is because everybody has access to digital and the network. There's so many ways something can enter into our organization, just like an infection into our bodies. There's so many, and you don't want all your antibodies spent on things that are not going to add value. And so it's even more incumbent to be super vigilant about uh, setting up uh, kind of a pause process that says, do we even want to have this go further. What if you're the type of leader that you're very creative and you have so many ideas that it's like that can lead to the need for organizational triage down the road? Um, excuse me. I think you have to understand that, um, and I've worked with day or every week, and then it's like, let's try this, and then you're under that. And then you're onto that. So um, great if you're a creative leader and you're a visionary. Um, fantastic. You still have to decide, set up a mechanism that helps you decide what of these 25 ideas you're going you're gonna to pay attention to because you just can't. And I've, I've known leaders who have paralyzed their whole organization 
with the flavor of the month, what mm. I call it. And, and they don't move forward because every, every month they're, they're changing course and that just, um, it's not going to do you well long-term. You wouldn't be talking about anybody we know, would you, Lee? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking oh, about. So. Okay. What are some, what are some, Creative brain that can't shut there. off. I don't yes. want to know. La, A little self-interest on la, my la. part. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, what are some of the, so speaking, let, let's say I have a friend. and Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, yeah here we go. <laughs> and my friend would like to know then what are some of the questions you should ask yourself to, to help you determine which ideas mm -hmm. where you should pursue and which ones you should drop. I, th I think I think um, too many leaders uh, think they have to do this by themselves, and I think um, the strong leaders that I know have um, a small group of people that they trust of influencers that are not just on their senior team, but that are throughout the organization, mm -hmm. um, which is a healthy approach that there's three or four key people that they go run stuff by. And that's what I would recommend. The, just giving it to the senior team to going, what do you think can be stagnating? Yep. Particularly if the senior team uh, is having issues um, in terms of their alignment. So my recommendation would be, who do you trust? Two or three people, it doesn't matter what level, um, that they, they should have influence in the organization and r r you know, r run those ideas by them. Um, and then go to the kitchen, do the dishes, and listen to your cup afterwards. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because one of the things I like to do is I like to do a hybrid. I like to actually, I actually have trusted members of my leadership team who I, who I bounce things off of. And then I like to go to somebody different each time. So it goes to what you're talking about, which is a shake it up a little bit. Don't do the same thing every time. But I usually try to find somebody, you know, uh, that's either entry level or you know slightly higher than that. That that would actually know something about the, the the topic and the value of you know what an idea might be, or maybe it might affect them. And I'll might, and I'll ask them for their opinion. And sometimes it can be a little unsettling to them because they're not used to having a CEO come down and talk to them about things like that. It makes them a little nervous. How how do we get people past that? I I, th I think you you uh, it's all it's all in how you communicate. I'm a big fan of seeking out those frontline folks. Usually, they are infinite sources of wisdom, and a lot of the times they have they have things more clear than than members of the senior team who are at times protecting their careers or whatever. So I think you get more authenticity if you go to the front line, and uh, you know it, it's it's really all about making that person comfortable as to why because the first thing a frontliner you know in my experience is going to go oh my gosh I'm in trouble or I better say the right thing mm -hmm. and, and I think if you establish that relationship openly and say hey I really value your feedback let me let me hang out with you I think that's better hang out with you for for an hour talk about what they're doing he or she is doing get to know their work first before you ask the question. Mm. I love it. Well, we're out of time, Paul. That's rogue-leadership.com, at Paul Rosenberg. That's a B-E-R-G, everyone. How would you like people to uh, engage with you if they want to have you come speak, Paul? Uh, they can contact me uh, via the website or at paulrosenberg.leadership.biz at gmail.com. And Rogue Leadership, Harnessing Headwinds to Dry Performance is on Amazon. Five-star review on there. Uh, we really have enjoyed having you. Please, everybody, tell a friend or colleague about the Manage Smarter Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review it. Please give us five stars. Paul deserves more than five stars, if you ask me.
Six stars. Give him six, six stars. stars. Okay, thank you, guys. Yeah, yeah and I'm going to go pop some bubble wrap now. I know. Right. I've got to find something other than doing dishes, something <laughs> better than that. So <laughs> yeah. thanks a lot, Paul. Pleasure having you. Thank you, guys, for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.